What's up, everyone? Welcome to my corner of the internet. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments, the leading global payments provider helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money. Each episode on here will feature leaders in the digital space to help entrepreneurs grow their knowledge and understanding of the Amazon and e-commerce world. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? Ryan Kramer here from Ping Pong Payments. This is Crossover Commerce. Thanks for joining us on episode 26. Holy cow, we're already 26 episodes deep. Uh, thanks for joining us uh, on live on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, uh, Twitter. Oh, gosh, we're on all the social media channels. It feels like only only one we're missing is Instagram. So if you get, have, an, have a solution out there, let me know, and we'll go live on Instagram as well. But I'm really excited today. We've talked a lot about different facets of business, right? Like recovering money on Amazon uh, through FBA fulfillments, uh, damaged goods and products. Even earlier this week, we were just discussing the gauntlet on Amazon, just how to sell. It feels like we've covered a lot of topics, but today I have a very special guest with me. She has her own show, um, The Seller Roundtable, uh, with, with her partner, Andy Arnott. And then she also has a coaching business. She's also an Amazon seller. She's also, you name it, probably, uh, probably doing it as well. But for with Amazing at Home, uh, I have a very special guest with me, Amy Weiss. Amy, I'm going to go ahead and bring in here. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. We were just kind of chatting about what's going on, how busy we are and, you know, life, how crazy it is this time of year. And gosh, just to get you on here and just to talk a little bit about just your perspective. And, and that's what the show is about, perspective and getting a little bit of insight on successful sellers and maybe what, what they've done, what they haven't done. Um, I'm excited to have you on today for sure. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited to be here. I love, you know, just chatting it up, talking story, and also just trying to help people on their journey, you know, cause there's a lot of people that helped me along the way. And, um, and so I like to try and, and share, share as well and, and help others. Awesome. Yeah. And, that, and that's what the show is. And again, if this is the first time you guys are listening to us, it's all about perspective. We're not here to sell anything. We're here to kind of just bring information uh, in the space. I've worked for, I've been fortunate enough to work for both e-commerce companies, SaaS companies, uh, former of Viral Launch, and then now I work for Ping Pong Payments. Uh, Amy, you've you've kind of done the gauntlet too. Maybe for people who aren't uh, familiar with you, uh, they should be, obviously, first and foremost. Uh, you're super popular in the space now, but if they don't know your background... Would you be so kind to like intro your like how you got to where you are today? Sure. <laughs> it's a long story. It's a long, it's a long like, story. No, that's fine. We hey, we got about an hour. <laughs> we got about an hour. So uh, I know people will ask. If you have a question too for us, comment in the social channels below. We will see those. Uh, if you're watching this at another channel, I will tag Amy and we'll make sure that you guys get those questions answered. But definitely comment where you're from. We already got Sharon, friend of the show, Sharon. Hey, Sharon. What's up, Sharon? <laughs> Watching all the way from Israel. I love it. So uh, we appreciate you joining. But yeah, Amy, go ahead and kick us off. Sure. So, oh my goodness. Okay. Well, I started flipping products on Amazon in 2007. So I was in the military at the time. I was in the U.S. Air Force. And that's where I met my husband. I'm a mom, a wife. You know, we have two kids, two daughters. Um, ages 11 and 13. I live in San Antonio, Texas. But anyway, I started flipping products. And so when I was in college, while I was in the military, I found, you know, textbooks. 
I remember one day I was looking on Amazon to buy used textbooks because, you know, textbooks are so expensive. And I saw that button that said, sell yours. And I was like, Okay. Yeah, intriguing, right? <laughs> yeah. Intriguing. So then I just I was like, hmm, what else can I sell? And so I started to selling textbooks. I started that was at the time when CDs started to, you know, we had like Kazaa and all these downloading media files. So then CDs started to kind of become obsolete. So I started to sell my CD collection. And that I sold so many CDs on Amazon. I sold lots of media, lots of books. I discovered media mail because back then everything was merchant fulfilled. <laughs> um, I sold some electronics and stuff on eBay and Amazon. And I learned that eBay was not nice. <laughs> right. And I really liked selling on Amazon, but it was just a hobby, right? I used to make my own packaging, just whatever. And, you know, back then there, there wasn't as many rules and all of that. But it's um, kind of the wild west, if I, I call it the wild west of e-commerce, if you will. <laughs> no rules. Everyone just does what they want. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, and everything's sold. You know, you could put anything on Amazon. I remember also, like, I went to a thrift store and I had the Amazon app, just the Amazon shopping app on my phone. And this was probably in, like, 2008 time frame. And I remember I found these cameras, these Polaroid cameras at the thrift store. And they were, like, $8 at the thrift store and I, on Amazon, they were selling for like $40. And I was like, wow. Okay. So this isn't just for textbooks making like 30 cents right. at a time, you know, like exactly. it was, it was really cool. So I started selling as a hobby and then we got stationed in Hawaii, which was really cool, but I wasn't about to start merchant fulfilling from Hawaii. So right. I was going to say, kinda... hey, yeah, part one, a, oh man, that must stink that, to be there. But two, yeah, not good in terms of shipping and logistics and whatnot. That, that that cannot be cheap. Yeah, so I, you know, um, I took a little break from selling while I was in Hawaii, and then we moved here to San Antonio. We retired from the military, um, and we moved here to San Antonio, Texas. And I took a job in cybersecurity, um, and yeah, uh, I had this idea for a product. I, I really, I had a problem with cleaning the cat litter box. It's gross. It stinks. I don't like right. it. I don't think anyone does. And so I just, I've always been one of those people that carries around a book of ideas and um, draws things. And I just never really brought anything to market before, <laughs> you know? So right. I just, I was like this, but this idea just kept bothering me because I couldn't solve the problem. And I needed to solve the problem because I didn't want to have to choose between my love of my pets and you know uh this problem so anyway i just kept getting after it and i knew that i could launch a product on amazon i knew that but i, I didn't know even though i have an mba and a couple of business degrees i didn't know what it looked like to take an idea and bring it all the way to market. So I figured that out, shared my journey along the way with as many people as possible. Cause I was like, I can't be the only person who has an idea. Right. right. The rule of thumb <laughs> is like, if one person's thinking it, probably a hundred other people are thinking it as well. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so I just started sharing my story because it seemed like for, to be an inventor, it seemed like there was such a huge gap between somebody who has like an idea for something and their ability to actually like get molds made and find a supplier and bring it to market. Like 
it seems like there's a huge gap there because, you know, I took my idea to a couple like product development firms and stuff like that. Like, and you know, they want $30,000 just to take your drawing and turn it into something. And you're right. like, but wait, I still have to pay for molds. And, and it doesn't have to be like that. And so when I discovered, when I set out on the journey to figure it out, and then I also discovered at the same time that it's not that hard and I can help other people in the process. I was just like, let's do this, you know? Right. And so it was really fun. That's awesome. So when, so you were, you developed a, a product for, you say cat litter box. When, when you're kind of learning this along the way, what resources did you turn to? Was it, was it books? You said this back in what, 2000 and 17. Was 17 when, is well, I came up with the idea in 2016 and then I launched it. Um, I launched my business in 2017. So, okay. um, yeah, so I launched like the private label side of things, I guess you could say. Gotcha. And, yeah. um, yeah, I did use some resources. Um, I took some Amazon training, you know, I, I of course chased all the squirrels too, like so many, I had a tear. I brought a bunch of other products to market. I brought a saturated product to market. I tried wholesale. I did retail arbitrage for a little while because I was just trying to like really. Amazon right. had changed a lot from when like I started and was doing like merchant fulfilled stuff to, and which is great because my account's super old, right? But <laughs> I could sell like anything. But um, but it's also like it was it had changed so much and there was this community of amazon sellers and you know and i was like i i need to learn this what am i missing you know i need to update my skills and so i learned from you know a ton of courses a ton of different resources and then i chased a lot of squirrels so <laughs> i was like squirrel maybe i should try wholesale squirrel, maybe I should do retail arbitrage. And then I was like, okay, maybe I should just focus on private label. And I brought, you know, products market. I found a product on product research software. I think it was viral launch was popular back in 2017. It was. And yeah. And it was a terrible failure <laughs> because it was, it was terrible because it was like really saturated by the time I brought it to market and my margins weren't good because I didn't know, you know, about that. Um, well, I didn't know that you should have more than a three X margin. Like I, I didn't know <laughs> until I met Andy just, and he's like, yeah, I do 10 X. <laughs> no, exactly. And, and that's the thing is like a lot of the trying and failing people. I, I want to say people are, I think are scared about that. Even nowadays when you are like, we're just going to try a little bit of everything and see kind of works with what your risk tolerance is. Cause it's almost like investing, right? Like you have a risk tolerance factor if you want to try it big and you really want to just diversify, you can do that and be safe or you can really go all in one and it can really launch like a rocket. So that's really cool. Um, so with selling on Amazon, success came in a form of more than what probably you thought um, in six figures, seven figures, eight, eight figures uh, over that time. When did the kind of process to become almost like diversify um, kind of hit you? Like you, you're known for consulting and more coursework and, and a lot of consulting work uh, on the side. So when, when did that kind of make its way around? Um, I have no idea. I don't, I don't even, okay. So yes, I do know <laughs> when, when I was, when I had these cat toys that were so saturated, right. Right. I was hiring people on Fiverr to write my listings. Okay. And I was like, wow, this is like a, a good listing. Like I can, I can beat this, right. I can do better than this. 
And so I started writing listings and then what I, I started really getting into like the science of selling. I was taking classes at my local small business association on marketing, everything else, and just really treating it like a business, you know, meeting with mentors, everything like that. And I was like, wow, there's other keywords I can sell this under. There are other things that I can do with this. So I started not only doing it with my own listings, those terrible cat toys that I started with, I ended up stuffing them in Christmas stockings with cats on them and selling out at Christmas time. So yeah, yeah like so photography. Just, <laughs> just getting creative, right? And so I started writing, at, I was sharing my journey and that's how like the Facebook group was born and all of that. And I was started networking with others and I was beta testing software for like people like Andy um, and just making that the network. The network is everything you guys, right? And so I'm just learning all these great things. And, um, and so I started writing listings on Fiverr and I was taking really saturated products and just turning them around. I would find different keywords for them and suddenly they weren't lost in the sea of, you know, page 100, right? right. And um, people would sell out and they would come back to me and they'd be like, can you consult? How do I book a call with you? Like, how did you do, do that? Do this you know? and do more, please. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't have a way to charge people for consulting. I didn't have a consulting business, but I right. wanted to help people. I wanted to, you know, so I ended up, I had the domain name Amazing at Home. And uh, it was supposed to be like a YouTube vlog. It was supposed to be like a fun project, like a fun YouTube vlog talking about people at home doing cool things. I'll be and honest, the first time I heard it, I was like, this is, this is like a mom at home. Like almost like those blogs that you see, they're like, I'm going to find ways for you to save my coupon XYZ. It almost sounded yeah. like an affiliate like trap. No offense. Coming from the affiliate world, that's where I come from. <laughs> I get spam email all the time from like home builders. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, I'm like, no, this is not, this yeah, is not us. Wrong. Exactly. But, um, hey, so yeah. Ping pong. Think about our company, Ping Pong. Think about the crazy customer service calls you're getting from that. <laughs> oh, oh a, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I just, I had that domain name already and I just built the website over a weekend and it was terrible. You know, this was not my old logo. Like it was just like thrown together and, um, and it's still kind of thrown together because it's grown so fast. It was just crazy. So anyway, that's how I got into consulting. I just, I started helping people and those people started making a lot of money. And then those, the word spread, I've never done any paid marketing it's always awesome. just like, so, and it grew so fast. My husband was already working from home to manage our brand, our, our private label brand. And I was working in my six figure cyber security job. Right. And, um, and I got so busy with both things that I was like, what I have to quit my job. So that in 2018, October of 2018, I left my, I mean, we weren't paying my husband yet. That was so scary. But <laughs> does, he know, does he know that? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, so we just, we leaped and we were like, we don't care what we have to do. We're gonna, you know, we don't care if we have to drive Uber or whatever, we're doing this, you know? Like we weren't right. sure. Cause you know, when you don't work in a business full time, especially like a service-based business, you, mm. you just, you don't know what it's gonna look like when you actually put your full time and attention on your business. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. Like when they're getting ready to leap, they don't know like, okay, but wait, if I can put my full time and attention to this, 
is it gonna make me more money? Is it gonna change things? And for us, we never had to drive Uber, we never had to you know, drive right. Lyft, we never had to do any of that stuff. Uh, we didn't have to dip into our contingency plan, but um, it, I mean, it was quite the opposite. We, we did really, really well, really, really fast. And it's just continued to grow since then and just been so much fun. There's so many people that we've helped and uh, it's just been a wild ride and I, yeah. Yeah, I, I, w I was also going to mention that you guys were ranked like top, like what, two in the community, like Facebook community, top two in service provider or like coaching or uh, there's a lot you guys were, you were getting in terms of recognition. So that's really cool. In just a couple of years that you guys have been recognized by other sellers, which again, congratulations on that. That's really I had cool. no idea. I was like, who are these people voting for me? <laughs> like I had no oh, idea. Oh, right in votes, right? You know, yeah, it was, it was just really, really wonderful. It's just good to, it's good to know that, you know, to have those warm fuzzies that you really are genuinely helping people and, and um, making an impact. That's awesome. So, I mean, again, congratulations on that. I know like you guys cover the gauntlet and before the show, we were just like, we're just going to go with the flow. I know specifically we were talking about like products and sourcing. Well, no, we actually got a question from our Facebook community uh, from Brennan, uh, who's, who comes in. What's your favorite product type to sell? I, I'm going to say category or maybe specific. If you don't want to share specifics, what's your favorite type of? So that's that's fine, Brennan. Um, I am in the pet niche, so I obviously love pet products, um, but when it comes to product types, I like to sell um, differentiated or unique products. Then that means that um, it's really differentiated in a way that um, matters to the customer and that you're first to market with something that is cool, that somebody else can't just come and copy you very easily and that you can really like corner the market. You can be a big fish in a small pond those are like my, that's my favorite. That's my process. That's what I teach others how to do. I teach others how to study the market and figure out how to come to market with something that's so cool and differentiated. So no matter what category you're in, you can just like crush it. It's awesome because those products just sell really well organically as well. Exactly. And I, I think that's the misconception in the community is a lot of people want to dive into a very high velocity, um, you know, market or category and, it's just very hard to get into. It's hard to get into rank. It's hard to get into competitive product uh, pricing wise, super hard for many reasons. So can you walk us through maybe that philosophy from like start to finish in terms of like how you're people educating people and maybe, maybe share some nuggets there? Yeah. So the big thing, there's a huge misconception um, uh, that if you don't pick a commodity product, that's already selling. So if you don't pick a, a product that is like, well, that's what's selling, you know? But if you look in retail, if you look at what retail is putting on their shelves and what big retail buyers are buying, it's not stuff that's already selling on Amazon. It's in a, a lot of people, that's one of their techniques for product research is they'll go look through retail. Amazon is about two years behind because of that, because we have 3000 new sellers every day that are literally searching through this saturated list of products. And if we have everybody using the same search filters, you know, and my background is in the cyber field, right? So I'm used to like pouring through a lot of data, looking at, you know, that kind of stuff. So if everybody's using the same search filters and everybody's differentiating based on bad reviews, 
what are your chances of doing what I did and launching a cat toy set that nobody had that cat toy set when I brought it to market? I was like, ooh, this is easy to copy. There's no competitors. It's right. just gold mine. <laughs> and then when I got to market, I was like, oh, they're selling it for like $5 less than I right, even sourced it you. for. And I can't compete with that. And oh my God, there's 10 pages of them. It was horrible, right? So the the reason that you want to pick something based on market research, so you want to go look at the customer instead of looking at the products that are selling. This is the big, the biggest issue. We like people, people pick a product and then they'll come and consult with me on launch because most programs don't go through launch. So, you know, they, they're like, okay, I found my product. I used all the search filters. I'm good to go. I'm going to meet with Amy and she's going to walk me through how to launch my product on Amazon. And I go, Okay, this is great. I need you to choose three forms of external traffic. Right. And they don't know their customer. Right. They don't know who their customer is or what their niche is. And so they don't know where to put that traffic. And they're like, well, wait, what do I just put them on Facebook? Like, is it Facebook ads? Well, I don't know who's your customer. Did they hang out on Facebook? Yeah. And they don't know. So that's why we always start with the customer. Where if I start with cat lovers, for example, and I look at what they're doing, what are their pain points, what are they DIYing, you know. So in my course, we do this exercise and I'm going to walk you guys through it. Um, so we started with dog toys. Saturated, right? Right. I mean, Pretty saturated. Hundreds really, of different dogs, if not thousands of breeds, sizes, toys, food, whatever you want to call it, beds. Yeah, saturated. Yes, exactly. And so my first exercise, I'm so glad that you talked about breeds. Because my first exercise was to kind of point out, okay, guys, if we're selling a dog toy for dogs, how big is the pond and how big is our competition? And then I was like, okay, but if we're selling a dog toy, and I think I used dog harness at the time, but I was like, if we're selling a dog toy for bulldogs, now how are we looking? Right. If we specifically target bulldogs, right? And, and you know, people really love their pets and all of that, right? So anyway, we started studying dog toys and we started by studying the market for dog toys. So number one, why do people buy dog toys? So you can go on Google and you can put in dog toys for, and the suggested, it's my favorite key, free keyword tool, the suggested search terms that come up say things like, um, you know, aggressive chewers, Right. separation anxiety, that kind of stuff, right? Small that's dogs, coming, large and That's dogs. coming up from actually people searching these terms. Yeah, because the way the search, the search engine wants to make people happy. So yeah. it suggests, and same thing on Amazon, you can do the same thing on Amazon, right? You type it in and that represents the top searches of what people are searching for. So we go and we look, okay, so why are so many people, why is Kong, the indestructible dog toy, such popular brand. Well, wow. it's for aggressive chewers. Well, now we have to study the market. Why, why are dogs aggressively chewing things? So we, we Googled that question and we saw people also ask this and this and this, right? And we see all these blog posts from veterinarians talking about how to, um, you know, how to help your dog with separation anxiety, how to, and what they recommended was crate training. Okay. That makes Crate sense. Training is one of the, and we found that in multiple blog posts, right? So here, uh, and you know, when veterinarians or anyone else writes blog posts, it's based on what people are searching for. It's based on right. their experience. 
It's based on those pain points. So anything that you find in your market research, anything you find in blog posts can be very, very helpful for that. Instead of just searching top 10 webcams and then trying to, to build a web, instead of that, you're going, how do people use webcams? What do they use it for? Why is it important for conferencing? All of that kind of stuff how to fix the lighting and then suddenly you've identified a differentiation that's perfect that everybody's looking for and that all the blog posts support right so that's what we did we went down this hole this rabbit hole and we were like okay aggressive chewers crate training is the solution across multiple blogs okay then the next question how do we keep our dog entertained while we're away while they're in the crate then we start looking at crate toys we found out people search for crate toys too. There's like nothing on the market because it's a toy and the dog's gonna chew it up, right? Okay. Then we found this heartbeat toy for dogs. It has like, it's like a stuffed toy and it has a heartbeat inside and a removable warming pack. And that was selling like crazy both on Amazon and everywhere else. And it was calming the dog in the crate. So it wasn't a chew toy, even though dogs were using it as a chew toy. Um, it wasn't a chew toy, but the problem was dogs were also chewing this up, right? So we said, how can we give the warmth of the human body, which is what that warmer was doing, mm -hmm. and the heartbeat, which was that calming, you feel close to another body, right? How can we give that calming element in a very easy product without having to invent something from scratch? And we discovered, hey, look at this. The pet mat for the crate already exists. Right. All we need to do is add a heartbeat to it. And we have created a better product than the one already selling like mad on the market. And all of our research suggests that that's awesome. So I gave this presentation across so many platforms, like mm -hmm. everywhere. And I encouraged everybody. I was like, go ahead, take the idea. I had pictures of it, everything, like my mock-up, everything. It's like, take the idea. It'd be super easy to source. You have the heartbeat thing already exists and the pet mat already exists. Go source it. Somebody did. It's on Amazon. It's like 10,000 in pet supplies. It's selling like crazy. So go whoever took that initiative, right? And maybe right. they didn't hear me say it. Maybe it's not even from me, right? It could have been they, somebody else who's smart about going through the market research process and found that same aha moment, right? right. But that's, that's why I do that. I, but I can repeat this process 10 million times and come up with really awesome products that meet the needs of the market and that don't have to be invented from scratch. You can always bring an MVP to market. Yeah, and I, I think that's where people have to continue to iterate from there is because society will constantly be changing. It's not a stagnant economy. It will always be some sort of product need or a variation of that product need because of situation XYZ. And I think that's why a lot of people get scared about like, hey, it's a saturated market. And that's why I hate the YouTube videos of like, should I leave Amazon or should I even attempt to get into Amazon? And I, I always tell people, well, yeah, of course, because like if you're if you're afraid of just the number of sellers, that's scary. But if you're afraid of, but if you look at the market from that perspective, there's always going to be a niche, whatever that niche is going to be. If you're an entrepreneur in general, you have to fill that niche anyways. So why not try to find it in a specific growing, you know, platform or marketplace like Amazon yes. or Walmart.com or things like that. Yeah, I mean, what a great time that we live in where anyone can bring a product to market with no barriers to entry on a trusted platform like Amazon. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. so I, I agree with you. So many people say, well, Amazon is too saturated. I shouldn't get started. There's all these horror stories about people that 
are bringing products to market and are just like losing in a price war. Well, yeah, that's what's happening. If you follow the same path as everybody else, it's like right. if you do what you've always done, you're going to get the same result. And that being said, a lot the of definition people, of insanity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of people made a lot of money doing that, though, before Amazon was so saturated with sellers, right? That was in the beginning, you used if you could sometimes find like a golden product in that in that um, search. And, and some people still use that methodology. Some people still like they'll launch 10 products. And if one of them works, then they just, you know, and I just I don't I don't do that. My mantra is I want you to launch with confidence. And that means, you know, people are going to buy it before you launch. You know exactly who your customer is. They're excited to buy full price from you. Like they're excited for a 10% discount because right. you, they see your product and they're like, yes, finally, someone who understands me. And those are our favorite brands. Those are the kind of brands. And the big thing that I do too, is just give people permission because so many people come to me with their ideas and they go, but Amy, this other brand is doing something similar and they're a really big brand. And I'm like, why can't you be them? Right. Why can't you be them? They started somewhere, you know, don't be afraid to compete with a bigger brand. If you know your market and you're offering them something. And a lot of people don't understand. I think too, is when you start a storefront or you start a, a brand, you can obviously iterate. You don't have to stick to that category. I know people who sell like, for your example, cat toys, or cat goods. And then you obviously, you can sell like a baby blanket or something crazy. Like they're doing that because there's micro niches. And that's what I know we used to teach people that as well as go after the micro niches, dominate that area, and then continue to iterate from that perspective. Obviously that good can probably like, if it's a, if it's a trend or a flash in the pan, like what fidget spinners maybe as a popular recent one, like everyone's going to have them everywhere, but why why don't you just iterate from that? And then you have them like light up and you have them like play music and all this other crap that, that people were just like, Oh yeah, the, well that's different. Like I need that one. Like it's the same concept. It's just like, that's what's that, what makes you unique. That That's what yeah. people are searching for. So very cool. Um, so you as a seller, you're still actively selling, right? You're still a brand on Amazon. You have different. Yep, I, I do. I did recently this year, my goal was to expand into retail. And so nice. my goal was to, I really want to set my company up to sell it. Um, you know, it's, it's hard. I own four you're talking companies. about selling. You're talking about selling your brand. On yeah. Yeah. Okay. I own four companies right now and it's a lot of work. Tomorrow we're talking about exit strategies tomorrow. So tune in tomorrow. Yeah. So, <laughs> Anyways, you know, continue, sorry. I'm planning on selling one of my brands and I'll probably I'll well, two of my brands, but I'll probably uh, I'll set it up to sell as kind of a package because they're both in the pet niche. But um, but I'm going to play again, of course, like, why not? But um, but really, the thing is, I, I really wanted to one of my big goals was to get into at least one big box retailer like that was because that's a huge thing for your multiplier. That's container loads at a time. You know, mm -hmm. Amazon is one store. If you get into CVS pharmacy, for example, that's 9,000 stores. Like it's, it's right. game, it's a game changer. So I recently just got a purchase order for Walmart from Walmart stores. So I'm also selling on walmart.com and I sell on Wayfair and some other channels as well. But, right. um, but 
I like, I'm really focused on, on really kind of getting, mastering at least one big box retailer. So I'm very small right now. I'm just starting. So, That's you know, awesome. I'm not, I'm not in every Walmart store across the country. You know, it's, it's, it's a process, but, uh, but it's really a cool, um, it's really a cool, unique opportunity to be able to sell your products wholesale as well. So that's what I'm working on this year. And then of course, still selling on Amazon. We're merchant fulfilling like crazy right now because um, you know of all the FBA limitations. And um, we have a warehouse here in Texas, our own warehouse. And um, that has really helped us with logistics because logistics are also really backed up. Um, but yeah, so we're still doing it every day. Uh, we're still helping Amazon sellers every day. We're still, you know, doing all the things and, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I th you brought up a couple different points I might want to dive down to. And again, for those who are listening on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter live, go ahead and ask you your questions. Go ahead and like that like button or subscribe to our channels. You'll de definitely be able to get notified for future episodes like this. And if you have questions for Amy, if you're watching this later, I realize that there's a hundred different shows going on, hundred different podcasts going out there. Catch us at a different time. And you have a question like, Hey, that's a really good idea, Amy. Um, and I want to reach out to you, go ahead and comment below and tag Amy and we'll make sure that you guys connect for sure. This is kind of like a, a partnership. We want to make sure everyone gets all the information. So, uh, go ahead and like, and share those as well. Um, but my questions, I guess a couple different things. I posted something on the logistics side, uh, and this kind of iterates from our inventing, developing and sourcing the logistics side of Amazon was actually put to a very weird and different stress test. And I think it's ever been done before. Um, Early 2020, walking through, obviously, a lot of people know um, everything shut down. But then Amazon Fulfillment Centers, they stopped accepting goods. Can you walk us through like maybe that iteration and why Amazon's thresholds have changed this year? Well, or why I mean, you think maybe? Yeah, I mean, I don't know all the answers, of course, um, but I do yes, think yes. the pan the pandemic had a huge thing to do with it, right? First. Yes. Um, there were so many more people pivoting online, mm -hmm. right? So many brick and mortar stores had to close down. So they put a lot of effort. So maybe they were just selling on their website before. And now everybody was just pouring into Amazon going, ah, okay, no barriers here. Let's go. Right. And then, you know, a lot of Amazon's fulfillment centers had COVID outbreaks. So yeah. they, you know, you would send your stuff in and, um, and it wouldn't get checked in or, you know, things were happening and, um, so that's, that's when we, during the pandemic, we were able, the first part of the pandemic, when, um, when they were only selling essential goods, all of our products were basically non-essential. And so, um, we got that FBA late delayed delivery time. And so yeah. we just listed again. So we still the prime badge and everything, but we listed again as merchant fulfilled and we just started shipping it out ourselves and getting it to people. But um, now recently, Amazon also gave everyone a restriction of like 200 units, unless you were like a major seller, right? You only got 200 units. And besides that 200 units, you've got cubic feet restrictions, like how much you could actually take up in storage space. So even if you have, so people started doing variations, they'd be like, okay, well, I'll just send in 200 units of five different variations, which was smart but you also had storage limitations. Right. So, you know, people got stuck in that. And then what was happening is, you know, 
Amazon was limiting people's um, storage, not explaining why, you know, there it was um, seller support, I think took a big hit. Um, you know, Andy, <laughs> my, my podcast partner, Andy, he's got a ton of, he's been selling on Amazon for years, like big numbers. And he had a bunch of listings shut down, seller support, like pretty much ceased to exist, even for a big right. seller like him. And he was like, I can't, I can't believe this. You know, our best sellers are shut down and they were, they were suppressing listings. I think their AI has gotten ahead of them and they don't really know what to do about it. Right. Um, AI kind of learns on its own. And, and before you know it, you got listings flagged and no, it doesn't trickle its way down to seller support. They don't understand what's going on there. Right. So you're opening up a case with them and they're like, I don't know, your listing was flagged. What do you want? You know, like, <laughs> and so there's exactly. so much stuff going on all at the same time. And I think um, just the combination, it was like the perfect storm. And Amazon, I think, had to respond because they were already so backed up. Uh, I read something about how um, so many sellers had so much stuff in like, cause there was all these sellers that were selling, that were sending in, like going through these courses and stuff and sending in a thousand units and, and to Amazon fulfillment centers. And then they would just sit there. They weren't yeah, selling. They're sitting in poor, just waiting. In a well, container. no, I mean like before this, oh, right. what was happening is um, people that were going through these courses and sending in these commodity products that they couldn't sell, they were sending in thousands of units. And back when the, before there was restrictions and Amazon was literally like telling people, Hey, you got to remove some of this stuff or um, you're going to have, you know, their long-term storage got way ahead of them. And then with all the new influx, they were like literally destroying so much stuff. And then they started their donation program because they were right. destroying so much every day. It was just, it was just wasteful. Right? right. So there's a lot of stuff just kind of going on and there's a lot of people getting into e-commerce and I think Amazon just is bursting at the seams and then the pandemic hit and it was like the perfect storm. Yeah. Right. So when, when you're educating people and, and that kind of leads me to what I tell people, but besides diversification, I think everyone agrees after this year, you need to super, you know, you just mean to really diversify your business. You're just on Amazon. You probably really felt it in the first half of this year. And then you're maybe catching up to break even or barely surpass what you did last year. Um, I, I agree with that, but what, what's kind of like, what are you teaching your students or what's your tidbits that you're telling people? Are you, are you focused more on FBM or maybe just growing in different marketplaces focused? Well, the very the thing that we focus on focus on most in our um, program is just knowing your customer and where they hang out because then you're never limited right if if you know your customer well and you know how to reach them outside of amazon it doesn't matter your whole business isn't based on whether amazon shuts you down right because you already have a customer list you already have a following you can reach out to them and sell them sell to them on your own website or some other channel at any time Right. So that's what we really we really focus on knowing your customer, knowing your market, connecting with them. That's those are the best brands anyway, building a real brand. Right. right. But at the same time, yes, during the pandemic, when all the things were happening, I was writing blog posts, teaching people how to list FBM at the same time and then use multi-channel fulfillment to use their FBA inventory to fulfill right. their merchant fulfilled orders. Um, so that was working for a while until <laughs> until multi-channel fulfillment got backed up and then we had problems with that. But helping people find free PLs, helping people figure out their logistics, 
but basically like, hey, let's not let our inventory be held hostage. Let's keep our options open. So we're gonna send in, you know, 200 units to Amazon, that's good. And we're gonna launch with a bang and it's gonna be awesome. But at the same time, we're gonna have some other options open, you know? And, and I'm probably the first person to tell you that I tell people to focus on their strongest channel and mm -hmm. grow that before they, so my advice is never like, oh, go sell on all these channels all at once or go expand international, you know? No, like you need to figure out Amazon first. You need to do right. that well, but at the same time, make sure that you're, you're, you're really doing it with a mindset of like, hey, I understand my customer. I know where my goods are. I know how to do things outside of Amazon. I know how to make sure I can get, you know, sell on other channels and, and get my products moved around the around the country if need be. How are you keeping kind of tabs on all that? Are you using any tools to kind of know like, hey, I have 200 units in Amazon. I know like I can fulfill this and you're kind of tracking to make sure everything's, you're not running out of stock and you once you're out of stock, obviously you drop in rank and it's just a really bad snowball effect. What, what well, unfortunately, because we FBM during the first part of the pandemic, um, our sales tripled and we ran out of stock of like most of our best sellers. And then we came back in stock and um and we're almost out of stock again <laughs> right before <laughs> the end yeah, for, christmas yeah but i don't even understand it's not a seasonal product so i i had no way to even plan for that much stock just go it's i don't even know like this product isn't even like a super awesome sales rank it's a very like basic product and it's just just selling and i'm like I'm about to run out of stock again. And I just contacted my supplier and I was like, I yeah. and she's like, uh, we can get it to you in March. I'm like, that's not going to work. Yeah. Soon now airship it. Yeah, so I wish I was better at it. You know, I, I, I have an accountant. I use A2X that, you know, it ties in with my QuickBooks and all of that. And, um, and we do, you know, we do keep track of our inventory pretty well between our warehouse. So that's kind of how we do it. We keep track of it, like how much comes into the warehouse and then how much goes out, right? Because some of it goes out to Amazon. Some of it goes out to deliver for Walmart. Some of it goes directly to a vendor. Uh, we have a couple of wholesale vendors that are drop shipping type of vendors. So we have to, you know, plan out those shipments. So, you know, luckily our accountant really helps us with that, <laughs> but, you know, understanding like how much we're paying and shipping and what's going on there. But, um, and, and then just as far as staying in stock, we always, we know what our three month, we track our numbers every month and then we know what our three month threshold is. Normally we know what our three month right. threshold is. We didn't plan for this, but we always try to make sure that we, once we hit three months, uh, like one of my products is made in the U.S., and then the rest okay. are made in China. And so, but once we hit that three month threshold, we always order more so that mm -hmm. we are like on top of it. And we order in bulk. Like we don't just order three months of supply. We order, we try to order like six months at a time so that mm -hmm. we're always ahead of that curve. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of my tip on doing it. You know, I don't have 800 SKUs, you know, <laughs> so I, I, I don't have that kind of inventory management. Thank goodness. <laughs> right. You need a couple other warehouses if that were the case. Yeah, exactly. So um, the other thing you alluded to earlier was going into other marketplaces like walmart.com. I'm curious, like you, you touched about it on your own webinar and your uh, on your channel. Uh, earlier this week. And I, and I got to listen to it a little bit. I was super fascinated about your story getting into an, a walmart.com or like a different marketplace because again, people just don't understand that 
like Wayfair or Overstock.com or all these all these places are marketplaces. They're just not as popular as Amazon.com. Um, what's kind of your uh, story into getting with them and selling your products in in stores? I thought I thought I, why did why didn't I think about that or why don't I suggest that to people uh, more? Um, I don't think it's a popular topic, but um, can you can you dive a little bit into that? Uh, well, it's always been to me, you know, retail has always been so strong in America. And I, when I think of what the definition of a legit like brand is, it's one that's on store shelves. And my own customers have reached out to me and said, like, why can't I buy this in store? When I, you know, my invention product, especially like people all the time. Why can't I buy it in Australia? Why can't I buy it in Canada? Why can't I buy it at my local store? And I'm just like, okay, I have to crack this nut. Like yeah. I need to figure Amazon is easy in terms of like getting on the market and, and getting it out there, but, uh, and all the training available, but the retail side is a totally different language. So it's about selling your products wholesale to retailers, right? right. And you're doing the invoicing you're taking that, you know, it's different than just setting up an account online and, you know, and not that Amazon's easy either. Like there's a lot to figure out, but I just really wanted to figure it out. So I got some mentors, <laughs> um, you know, my friend Talor Offer, he, he's amazing. I mean, he's sold in so many retailers and he's kind of walked the walk and talks the talk and he loves to share and he just has a really big heart. So, um, you know, I was first introduced to retail from my friend, Steven Selikoff, him and I had a China trip together and, um, you know, he, he wasn't really into Amazon. He was more into all of his stuff that he had sold was in retail. Right. So, you know, I, st I first learned about retail and, you know, started studying like, wow, one order from a store with 9,000 stores is literally like I did, I ran the numbers just of like a couple specialty stores in my local area. There's over 10,000 specialty small retailers that I could sell in, in my region. And I ran those numbers and it was like, yikes, this is achievable and it's really good. And now I see why when I was doing wholesale, Amazon wholesale and reaching out to all of these brands that only sell in retail. And I was like, well, you're not on Amazon. They're like, we don't care. <laughs> they don't care because yeah. their orders are huge. And so why would you want to worry about one at a time and paying for advertising and all that stuff? If you can sell one order, that's a container load. Right. And obviously you don't sense. start you don't start at a container load, but yeah. So just to give you guys some tips in terms of that, it's, it is another language. So I would suggest just starting to look into it, look into like, what, what is the, the language? Like there's a bunch of stories published out there. There's all kinds of stuff. You know, I have um, a retail webinar where I talk about like the kind of, but the, the key fundamentals is number one, your branding needs to be on point, needs to be retail ready. Number two, you need to make sure that you, you you're representing yourself and you understand what your pricing needs to be right and number three you need to learn how to find those buyers that are in the right categories for you and then how to talk with them so it's about learning the language and stuff but once you have that down it's actually pretty easy you know because you can kind of just like you figured out amazon you figured out right. those logistics and everything you can kind of do the same so is so relationship with your supplier is still pretty much intact. It's still the same. You're just ordering those, but you're sending those directly. You're buying it and then reselling essentially your order from well, your supplier. 
Jen, in, in general, you send it from the US anyway. Um, it's right. not until you get into like, it, like if you get an order from Costco or Walmart, then you can charge them FOB from China, right? Like yeah. direct to their store and they'll, or, right. they'll like pre-order those from you. But if you're, if you start in specialty stores, which are smaller stores like across um, America or whatever country you're in, um, in general, then you charge for shipping that is close to you. So like for me, my term, my shipping terms to local retailers are FOB San Antonio mm -hmm. and they pay for that shipping. And then, you know, I charge them based on, you know, their quantities. You have, you have your own MOQs. So essentially like you become the supplier, right? So right. yeah, it's just as you grow. And then when, when, if you decide to grow that big, you, there's no reason you need to. Um, there's plenty of opportunities in smaller retailers, but when you do grow into bigger box retail, then you do need to you know, really figure out your logistics and make sure that your supplier can keep up with you. And that's right. another thing that we always focus on. If, if you have your, your site set, if you're creating a unique product or a significantly differentiated brand that is going to inevitably become a really recognized brand in the marketplace, you want to make sure that you identify suppliers that can work with you. You don't want to have like a sourcing agent where you don't know what the factory is and you never talked with your supplier before. You don't know what certifications your supplier has. Like, so we always, a big focus in our program is understanding how to vet your suppliers and understanding if, how, what makes them a good partner for you, how to find good suppliers, how to have conversations with them, understand the manufacturing process and really get, identify suppliers that can grow with you. Right. And that, that relationship is 100% key. And obviously with ping pong, we tell people, hey, you want to make sure that you have that good working relationship, saving money, but also making sure that you guys are, are a trusted source and working with us trusted sources. Super cool. I mean, like there's there's so much to take from that. Uh, maybe kind of like wrapping up, coming close to the top of the hour. Again, if you're listening live, we appreciate you joining us today on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. I feel like we're, we're just growing on constant, all these channels, but I have Amy Weiss at Amazing at Home. She's super, uh, she, I say superwoman. Uh, you're doing a little bit of everything in terms of like just doing your businesses, your four different brands. Uh, you're talking about different marketplaces. We touched a little bit about like creating, uh, developing and sourcing products. Um, maybe play in a quick like game from your perspective on which more valuable. Um, I'm coming up with this as I go. It could be crash and burn. It could not. Um, would you rather as a seller give a discount or free shipping? What do you see as more value? Um, probably free shipping because your branding can always show that the quality is there. And as long as the customer feels like the quality that they're getting equals the value that they paid for your product, they're going to be a happy customer. Okay. So the free shipping is just like the, the icing on the cake. Exactly. <laughs> uh, do you think that, um, would you rather have um, small quantity, but consistent, or would you rather have a spike in sales, run out of stock, and that's it for the year of sales? Um, I don't, I'm fine running out of stock. I think that <laughs> obviously nobody wants to run out of stock, but, um, but I think that the whole running out of stock thing is like super overhyped and, you know, it's, as long as you have, 
Yes, I get it. If you spent a whole bunch of money ranking your products, I don't know what that feels like. I don't have to spend a bunch of money ranking my products because they meet the market demand and they're different from other products. So I alluded to earlier in our show. So if yeah, so like <laughs> yeah, so for me, like if I run out of stock, then I run out of stock. But when I get back in stock, it's fine again. So I I don't really freak out about the out of stock stuff. But like somebody that maybe spent a lot of money doing giveaways and ranking a product. And they're like, oh my gosh, I spent so much money getting to page one. I barely broke even and now I'm out of stock, you know? So I, I just don't really worry about it, but um, because I have kind of a different product model, but, um, but yeah, so I would rather just run out of, if I'm out of stock, I'm out of stock. <laughs> it means I got good, good sales. Uh, real quickly, Maria says, great talk. Thanks. And very informative. That's, that's the number one key. We, we brought value to at least one seller. Hopefully Maria, thanks for joining us today. Um, would you rather brand on Facebook or I say Facebook slash Instagram or, uh, you, uh, TikTok right now? Depends on the audience. If I am selling a product to an older generation, Facebook is going to be it because, yeah. you know, they're not on TikTok. Um, but if, you know, uh, just, it depends on the product and, and the audience. So do your target market analysis and go crush it. Uh, PPC or giveaways or a uh, different ranking strategy? Um, a combination of PPC and an amazing listing and photographs, of course, and <laughs> external traffic, three forms of external traffic. Whenever you launch, you should have three forms of external traffic, whether that's influencers, Google ads are really great because they're bottom of funnel and they're, you know, they're cheap. It's like $5 a day is all I spend on Google ads um, per product. So, um, and 60% of Amazon's offsite traffic comes from search. So Google ads is where it's at. Right. Um, but also, you know, two other forms. So like a social media channel would be really great content-based marketing is really, really awesome. Like what we're doing right now. Um, and like influencers are also really great because they already have the trust of the audience. I'm going to word this correctly and I'm going to do <laughs> trade shows or zoom call. Or oh. zoom networking or internet networking. Um, I would rather be in person. I miss all of you guys so much. Like I love networking with people in person because on the zoom call, we don't have like those, the best thing about going to events, you guys is not necessarily the talks. Of course you get like a lot of the talks, but the best thing is networking. And, um, yeah, so meeting people like you and, um, getting to make those like lasting friendships that brings more to your business and your network and your net worth than anything else. Yeah, I, I tell my company it's a joke. I joined ping pong in the pandemic. I haven't met a single employee in person yet. So don't even know what they what I look like in person. So I could be like seven feet tall and no one knows. I'm not, by the way. <laughs> um, my last question, oh man, I just lost it, I think. Uh, oh, would you rather be the podcast host or the podcast guest? Oh my gosh. I like being the host because then I don't have to like, my brain doesn't have to die. <laughs> Firing on all cylinders. We're probably there close to the, the, death, the death threshold, if you will. <laughs> and I learn so, I like listening too. You know, I like to learn from other people. And so one of my favorite things to do every week is to record my podcast because I, we always have interesting guests that have a lot to give. And 
Um, and I always learn so much from them and I've grown so much from that. So yeah, that's why I'd rather be the host. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I know I'm, I'm dipping in a couple different areas and been guests. I love just talking in general about like my perception and I, you know, I think that's what's unique about each individual and you can bring value in that, uh, that aspect, but it's also fun to just to sit back and like you said, listen to people, um, get job knowledge for sure. Um, wrapping them up quickly, uh, Amy, what, what do you have going on? Like, what are your next steps? Like, what are you, what are you working on now? What's kind of your thoughts going into 2021? If you can leave us like with a couple of maybe either predictions or wishes or projections or however you want to word it. Yeah. So, um, I'm just working on really getting things moving in terms of, you know, in, in retail for my own brands. But in terms of Amazing at Home, we have an awesome course. And you know it was voted third in the world in, in the recent um, seller poll. And so we're just really, we're on a mission to help as many people as we can that have ideas, but just don't have that confidence to bring their products to market. We wanna give them all the tools to make that happen. So that's what, we're, we're on a mission to do that. Um, 2021, uh, I really want to write a book. I have a couple of low content books already published, but I really want to write a book um, about just to be able to reach more people, to be able to help in my mission, to help give people more confidence in starting their own brands and their own businesses. So that is kind of my plan for 2021. Um, my predictions for e-commerce in 2021, I think that Amazon is going to continue to invest in technology. Uh, being a registered brand is going to become even more important. Being a brand that actually looks like a real brand and um, built, paying attention to your A plus content and building out your stores like that is really going to help you on Amazon. Uh, but along with Amazon, there are going to become so many more uh, e-commerce opportunities emerging for folks. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that looks as well. Love it. That that's that's a perfect way to cap this episode. Uh, I know you're super busy. You were actually on yesterday. Um, I, I'm I'm working on a couple of different projects too. Uh, we you were on Twelve Days and Nuggets, for example, uh, dropping knowledge there. Uh, I will be also producing hopefully a content here shortly uh, for that. But uh, I just want to give a special shout out to the team over there at Twelve Days and Nuggets. For those who are listening, please go to that website and donate and check out that Operation Underground Railroad. Um, super passionate about the Amazon community. There's lots of tidbits and nuggets, just like from Amy uh, that drop on there and you can get this knowledge on that website. Um, great nonprofit. I want to shed light on and continuing to, uh, you know, talk about it in general, but thank you so much for joining us today. It has been a pleasure. Um, I know we have a couple of cool things that we're working on together as well. So be on the lookout for that in the community. Again, for everyone uh, who's joined us again live or just want to recap it. And if you missed something huge, Go ahead. This will be on our YouTube channel, the Ping Pong YouTube channel on Facebook. Uh, I can share this with Amy too. She wants to share that to your community, but make sure you subscribe to us for other kinds of content with us. Uh, we go live almost every single day, which is crazy to think. Uh, I'm saying that out of my mouth. Didn't think about that for two, two months ago, but here we are. Um, but we're bringing more knowledge tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, we'll have you on again. I call you a friend. I call everyone the friend of the show now. You're officially a friend of the show. Um, <laughs> And we'll go from there. But thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Bye, everyone. We'll talk to you next time.